Hello, and welcome to this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Karen Livingston, editor of Air Cargo World. I'm joined today by Kathy Morrow-Robertson, the founder of Logistics Trends and Insights and a weekly columnist at Air Cargo World. Glad to have you for today's episode, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. Yeah, so there's a lot to talk about today. We're, we're now in the final quarter of 2021, which is hard to believe, of course. And so that means we also have another quarter to look back on and we'll be discussing third quarter performance in today's episode. So to, to kick off our conversation today, you covered express earnings for the most recent quarter during several columns in the past month or so. And DHL, FedEx, and UPS all reported strong figures for the most recent quarter, which is not surprising given. Yeah, what a shocker. (laughs) I know, given recent quarters, you know, record after record and just the general state of today's transportation market. But still looking back at your your coverage, did anything surprise you about the the recent earnings in the express field? I think one of the biggest surprises was the FedEx earnings report when um, they did they did well overall. However, there was a stumble uh, in the ground division, and that uh, was primarily due to the need for uh, more workers. Uh, that uh, worker shortage really disrupted things and caused delays in their networks. Upwards of like 600,000 packages had to be redirected to various facilities that had enough workers to deal with those packages. And it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses now that we're in this peak holiday season. Um, As far as UPS goes, another record profit uh, for the quarter, Uh, you know, another quarter with uh, record profits. It's crazy. But their strategy, it's working, you know, um, that whole better, not bigger mantra is definitely working for them, uh, much to the angst of a lot of the smaller shippers, (laughs) medium-sized shippers. Uh, Well, also large shippers as well. Those are are getting hit with capacity uh, cuts, you know, if they're not profitable for UPS. But, you know, from the ground perspective, that's how I uh, saw both of those players, but from the express to international side, they're both doing great jobs. Uh, I think FedEx is expanding mm-hmm. uh, their capabilities within intra-Europe as well as that transatlantic. I think it's all because of um, did across border e-commerce, and I think a lot of the focus for UPS is still that transatlantic lane. I mean, trans-Pacific lane. Is a big one. However, I believe there was a slight decline due to some of the uh, pop-up COVID-related um, issues uh, that we saw. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the uh, the U.S.-based Express companies are definitely looking at some of those overseas markets and hoping to grab market share from there as as the uh, the e-commerce market expansion continues. Uh, but yeah, yeah on, the, on the labor issues point, that's that's very interesting. I know in your column, yeah, you you did mention that labor issues affected profitability for FedEx's express division during the quarter. And we also heard during uh, our webinar earlier this month from Bobby Spann at CVG, uh, he noted that labor is also the limiting factor at the airport uh, where DHL and Amazon Air both have operations. 
And uh, he also mentioned some of the ways that, you know, they're trying to address those issues, trying to bring in more labor, trying to work with the community to, to get more workers at the airport. But uh, from your perspective, uh, where, where is Express and, and Air Freight in dealing with some of these labor issues and do they need to do, do more to kind of solve, resolve some of those issues? I think they're going to have to just really get creative. I think you're seeing a lot of pre, uh, creativity out there. It's not just raising the pay. Uh, I think a lot have discovered that. You just That's not just the only thing. Um, you know, improved benefits. I think Amazon has, um, and I think Walmart also is like offering, and I know Walmart is, is a shipper, but it's interesting and what everyone is doing because it's not just a supply chain or a logistics industry. It's across all industries. And um, what they're doing is like offering to pay for college among the many benefits as well. So it's, it's really interesting. And, um, and I think it's just going to depend on the, on the company. I, you know, it really all boils down to how well they're treated a lot of times. I think a lot of these workers really want just to be treated like a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that you even brought, uh, you noted Amazon because Amazon is, um, is, is having issues and they noted them in their third quarter. In fact, um, just, just a quote, I think I shared with you earlier, it was, they talked about during third quarter, labor became their primary capacity constraint. And just like FedEx, they had to re- redirect uh, uh, inventory between fulfillment centers that had enough workers. And not only that, but they're also struggling trying to finish up with that. You remember that one day delivery prime that they promised back in 2019? That hasn't been rolled out entirely yet. They're struggling. I mean, COVID and now not having enough workers to help roll it out has become a con- an, an issue. So, yeah, I mean, they're all, I mean, Amazon, UPS and FedEx have, and the post office have announced that they're like hiring 40, 50,000 plus workers for the holiday season um, and hoping to keep a lot of them afterwards as well. So good luck with that. Yeah, really good luck with that. I mean, <laughs> uh, I know that you, you covered uh, USPS in an, in another recent column and so far they are kind of making this statement that they are going to be ready for the holiday surge. I think uh, FedEx, uh, Fred Smith noted the same thing in an interview that, that he participated in recently. So It'll yeah. be interesting to see what the holiday hiring does look like and how these companies are, are able to kind of bolster their, their workforces in, in the next month or so. Exactly. And I think we'll know for sure, uh, starting with the, the first week of December, when December hits, we'll be able to tell um, who's, who's really up for the task, particularly in that last mile delivery. So uh, fingers crossed for all of them. Yep, definitely. Fingers crossed. Uh, and then, of course, uh, another uh, division covered frequently on Air Cargo World, uh, freight forwarders and third-party logistics companies. Uh, so 
Once again, not really surprising, the major three BLs also seeing strong results in air logistics. It's like the rates are really high or something. (laughs) Honestly, Karen, you know, all these carriers and logistics providers, if they're not making money in this market that I think we've all described as uncertain, uh, chaotic, shame on them. I mean, really, it is a carrier's market. And I hate to say that for the for the shippers because the shippers are 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 paying the cost. They're paying higher rates regardless of the transportation mode, higher warehousing space, and, you know, all the way and and the last mile delivery, you know, all the way up to our front door. Those costs have gone up as well. So, yeah, for the carriers and logistics providers, if y'all aren't making profits in this market, shame on y'all. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. We we are seeing that across modes. I think it was at uh, Cargofax Symposium last month. It may have been uh, Michael Steen at Atlas on a panel mentioned that, I mean, typically, you know, air freight makes up a very small percentage of overall uh, overall transportation volumes. But so even a small change in favor of air means a drastic increase within the air market. And we definitely saw that in third quarter earnings. Uh, DSV reported uh, uh, 29% year-over-year growth in air freight volumes for the third quarter. Uh, Kunanagel reported that its air freight volumes for the first nine months of the year were up about 50%. Uh, And of course, that also takes into account some of the acquisitions those companies made during the year. Um, they benefited from those with- uh, But see, they're, they're benefiting from that shift from the ocean freight to air a lot of times. I wouldn't say all of it is because of that, but with the congestion off the coast of the uh, LA Long Beach, you know, in terms of uh, the ships sitting out there ready to come in, there has been that shift. And just reading some of the shipper retailers earnings transcripts and listening to some of those calls, a lot of them are noting that they are biting the bullet and paying extra for um, for air just to ensure they get that inventory in, particularly for the holiday season. Right. Yeah. And on that trans-Pacific market, you're especially seeing that shift. Uh, as you said, the, the ocean shipping delays off the LA Long Beach area have have really pushed more volumes into into air on those lanes, which especially benefits, I mean, Kunanagel and its uh, Apex logistics acquisition, that market, you know, very well positioned uh, for Kunanagel to expand there. And they they mentioned in the third quarter earnings call that they would expect to continue that growth in Asia with additional acquisitions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, yeah. what are your thoughts on on uh, that kind of targeted growth in some of these acquisitions? Yeah, honestly, the, the acquisition of Apex was was very smart, I think, for Kunanagel. Kunanagel has always been one of the, the leading um, uh, forwarders or NVOCCs on that Trans-Pacific lane. They're always, it always seems to be they're like in that top five, top 10 at the most um, in terms of volume. And now that they've got Apex, I mean, they've now brought in that air. And yeah, I could see them potentially uh, looking uh, to expand further in that um, Asia region. But it was, you know, just a thought that just popped in my mind is another uh, freight forwarder that's always been strong 
in the Trans-Pacific Lane has been expediters. So the big question is, how much of an impact has this had on, on expediters, you know, with Kuhn and Nagel picking up Apex? Um, and I just glanced at expediters' earnings uh, their for third quarter, and they they look they look pretty good. So I don't think you've seen an, a negative impact yet because this market is just huge. It's just huge. Everyone is benefiting from it. Well, except the shippers. <laughs> right. Except the shippers. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is an interesting point. Uh, we, we have tended to focus quite a bit on Kuninagel and DSV making these big acquisitions, but it will be interesting to see uh, what expediters might choose to do, what some of these other uh, of the top air freight porters, what acquisitions they may make, since they are all seeing these really strong financial results and may have exactly. some capital. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, expediters has been, you know, there's always been rumors in the, in the market with them being a possible acquisition target or who are they going to purchase because they've, they've always, they've grown primarily organically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they've, you know, they've always been a highly respected company, well-run company. So it's going to be interesting, like you said, how they progress over the next couple of years. Now DSV's acquisition of agility was, um, really positions DSV very well, I think, in the um, emerging markets, primarily Africa. And Africa, I know for years and years, we've always, you know, in the market have said, keep an eye on Africa. The potential is great. And they still haven't quite gotten there yet. But I think e-commerce is going to help push their, you know, push that uh, continent further, particularly that trade line between Africa and China, uh, from an air perspective, that just keeps growing and growing. But, um, but no, now DSV now has um, access to some nice warehousing facility, facilities in Asia, um, Africa. Uh, Southeast Asia has always been a strong point for agility as well. So that was a nice acquisition on DSV's part as well. I also saw just recently <clears throat> that they're investing in a lot of these uh, fulfillment facilities. I think they're calling them fulfill- fulfillment factories, focusing on e-commerce, cross-border mm-hmm. e-commerce, such as that, which I kind of see them going after the likes of GXO, which was uh, part of XPO right. uh, up until recently, and you know, Koninagel and some of the others as well. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on. It is interesting to see some of these expansions in Africa. I mean, I think since I joined uh, Air Cargo World, it mm-hmm. seemed like most of that expansion tended to focus on like the perishables exports from Africa. But it is it has been nice to see some of these e-commerce uh, capabilities being built up in the region. And especially, as you said, uh, with with a uh, like Tainyao and uh, e-commerce connections between <laughs> between China and Africa. Yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then uh, the last group where uh, I was hoping to discuss today uh, relates to carriers, which once again, you know, as you've said, they they really need to have been making money. They're not going to find a better market than this for yeah. for 
air cargo. Uh, and that's mostly been the case. Uh, we are now seeing some combination carriers starting to report better overall results. They definitely suffered with, you know, the drop off in passenger aviation, but, um, we covered, I know Emirates recently and, uh, international airlines group both had, um, you know, much better third quarter results this year than last year. And some of that is due to these markets reopening. The U.S. just relaxed its rules for, uh, for flights from Europe. So we're finally seeing some of that capacity slowly returning to the market. But uh, what are your expectations for that? I know uh, most people aren't really expecting significant improvement, even with the reopenings until next year. Is that, is that your expectation? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of thinking along those as well. I think the focus for a lot of, particularly the passenger airlines is more of uh, bringing capacity back on a regional basis or, you know, within a particular um, country or so that international part is still lagging. So anytime you know, the reopening of like the U.S. allowing more to come in uh, and such is going to be beneficial for a lot of those uh, for from a cargo perspective. Uh, I know FedEx and UPS both have said that um, have forecasted this whole international air to improve, start improving by mid 2022 with full recovery, not until 20 late 20. 2023, 2024. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be slow going. <clears throat> but um, I think as we, you know, we'll progress, like I said, but slowly, but there will be a, a progression. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is positive to see the transatlantic market reopening just because yeah. you don't have the same kind of freighter capacity on that market as you have on the Trans-Pacific. Yeah. But as you said, I mean, with this one opening, it's going to take even more time for passenger service to return on the Trans-Pacific. So despite the freighters, things are probably going to be a bit slow there, but yeah, yeah. I think so. And and we're still going to see the UPSs and the FedExs and the DHLs still benefiting uh, from an express perspective uh, for for quite some time until those passenger airlines are completely back up and running. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're expecting uh, many more very strong quarters in the, <laughs> yeah. in the next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'll look forward to, uh, to reading those columns from you in the. It's in another the record quarter. breaking fourth quarter. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Bit of a broken record, but. It seems like it, but I mean, you know, good for them. And, you know, in certain ways for managing their operations as well as they've been doing. Uh, FedEx, they, they need to do some work on theirs, particularly when it comes to ground, because their business model is completely different than that of, of uh, EPSs. But, um, you know, coming in 2023 is the Teamsters uh, contract negotiation with UPS. So that's going to be, uh, that could be a, an eye opener for a lot of folks, depending on who's going to end up heading up the Teamsters. Yeah, yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, we have seen a lot of these these unions pushing back a little harder in the past uh, past year or two. Yeah, and we could very well see that happen uh, with the contract with UPS. But 
you know, that that's another couple of years. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, this has been a great uh, discussion of the third quarter and looking forward to hopefully catching up again uh, on the fourth quarter uh, early next year. But um, thanks. Well, for... you want to take any bets <laughs> on how fourth quarter is going to go? <laughs> uh, I mean, if I had to guess, I'm expecting Express to maybe have some more record quarters. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think um, we'll see us probably another strong fourth quarter for UPS. Uh, FedEx announces their fiscal second quarter earnings uh, in mid-December, I believe. And I think, I think they're going to do pretty well. I think um, that may not be record, but I think they're going to pull out a nice profit. Uh, from both Express and Ground. And I think a lot of our friends, you know, in the trucking business and so on, they're also going to be benefiting um, for, for this quarter. Right. <clears throat> and hopefully some of the, the labor issues will be addressed over the, the next yeah. month as well. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, thanks again for joining me, Kathy. It's always great having you on, on air with Air Cargo World. And the thanks also to our listeners and to Air Cargo World's readers. You can download and listen to this podcast and other episodes at aircargoworld.com and on iTunes and Spotify. Mm-hmm.